Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Nerds with the Creative Podcast. Oh, yeah. Today, we are here with... The biggest nerd, <laughs> Nay Rose. Nay Rose, Nay Rose. Super nerd. Super nerd. That's right. Uh, outside of the norm, we are we are missing our boy Charlie. Uh, due to some scheduling conflicts, he is uh, unable to join us here today. But um, he said, you know... Show must go on. Roll hey, with shout it. shout out Charlie. You know what I'm saying? Shout out Charles, the goat. There's a lot of famous people named Charlie that, that we like. For sure, for you sure. Know? All right, so uh, I talk to the people a little bit. Um, where, are you, where are you from? What do you do? Uh, if they haven't heard of you, where might they have heard of you? Okay, um, I'm from Nashville. Uh, I am a rapper and entrepreneur. I also do production. I also direct videos. So I'm kind of like... One of those many hat type of people, but uh, but yeah, really music and media. It's the best way to sum it up. Basically, everything that I do is within that. And uh, I don't know. I don't know where you might have heard of me. Met streaming. I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming a lot of people uh, that are interested in Christian hip hop are going to be watching this. So I got Probably, a lot of yeah. close friends in the Christian hip hop space. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'd consider you like. CHH adjacent. That's like literally you, what everybody says. So it's like you never been a part of here. You never like a part of it. You just you got homies that are and yep. you kinda you know yep. you dip your toe in every now and yep. then. There's a few of us, I think. Caleb Mitchell. Mm, yeah. Caleb Mitchell. What's that dude? Britton? Rousher? Or what? Yeah, yeah. Is yeah, it yeah, Rousher? Bro, I I don't know. I don't know. I've been chatting with him, bro. He's cold. He's hard. He's, he's cold. hard. His yeah. music's hard, his videos like, are yeah, hard. I like his stuff, bro. man. We're Shout out Studio, Studio, Johnny Clay. All them. No, I don't know who that is. Oh, they they run like a production company thing. Foggy, together. Foggy Raw. I mean, Foggy's hard too. Yeah, dude. But I'm it's saying crazy. he's like kind of CHH adjacent, right? Yeah, that's true. Because he's true. not like okay. Anyway, but yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> Which what's uh all right? So let's let's dive in a little bit about what you do here. So um, we'll start with uh we'll start with the music. So tell us a little bit about your music. You know why you do it. Uh, what your sound is. You know that type of thing. Yeah. So. I feel like there's been many different eras of my music, um, and really, as I mature and my music becomes better, and I um, just have changes of heart, you know, it kind of kind of morphs with where it is. So at the time of this recording, I'm I'm really, I would describe the the genre that I'm trying to do as a conscious trap or like avant-garde trap, something mm. like I like basically. The substance that you might find in a Kendrick or J. Cole record, but packaged in a like Travis Scott soundscape, you know? Okay. Um, yeah, and, and potentially with, you know, with like tuning and stuff on the vocals. But I, I've recently had a really, I had a realization that the purpose of my music going forward is going to be to communicate messages that I find to be true. I, I've been getting really into philosophy, religion, and science and stuff the past couple of years. And the more, I, the more I dive into that, the more questions that I have. And, and, but this, it occupies the majority of my headspace, uh, thinking about some of these fundamental existential questions. And so, uh, I, I think that because my music is I'm, I'm evolving with the music is like everything that I'm wanting to talk about uh, is is kind of like in and around this space. Mm. And I think that people right now could really use some some perspective on that. You know, I think there's a lot mm. of artists that are pulling in the exact opposite direction. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. In, in, in Trap, it feels a lot about it's a lot about the same type of stuff. Like um, somebody uh, somebody once asked me, I was like. Came in conversation like, oh, you listen to Nate Rose? What? Like, oh, like, what kind of, what's his music? Like, who does he make like music? Uh, the question was, who does he make music for? And my response was, well, the best way I can put it is, Nate makes music uh, for business owners essentially. Because I was like, I've never heard someone mention EINs and LLCs <laughs> and things. Yeah. It's like things when I hear them, I'm like, <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, but that's like. I think that's very cool because a lot of people, it's like, oh, check out how much money I got. Like, occasionally you might hear like a trap bar where it's like, oh, I got a couple, I invested or I got a yeah, couple other things, yeah. whatever. But no, you're very like, you've laid out blueprints. Like, there's like a whole four bar sequence in one of your songs where you're like, I did this and I did that and I turned it to that and it's that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. So that whole like conscious trap thing, 
Totally, totally. Would, uh, I think that's a good way to sum it up for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, even the the finance stuff, you know, a lot of my raps were kind of focused more around finance and business because that was my one of my main things that, that I was into. But I yeah. actually think I'm, I'm kind of moving into a space beyond that because um, I, di- I don't know. I just think that I think that maybe it wasn't connecting in the same way. And I'm not I'm interested in all these things anyway. And right now I just feel really called to talk about. I don't know, other other topics. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, occasionally I'll probably throw a little something in there, but um, it's just, just whatever's authentic to me at the time. I I create music specifically just for myself. It's a selfish process. So I never made, I'm not, I, I'm not chasing a trend. I'm not, you know, I want to make the art that I wish existed and I want to say the things that I want to say. Mm. And that discovery process is very selfish for me. Like when I'm making the record from the ground up. I just want to make whatever I want to make, you know what I'm saying? And yep. uh, then I figure out how to market it afterwards. You know, yep. I, I think that I, I think long term that's probably the the proper play. I think short term you might be able to chase trends, this or that, but it it's really hard to have uh, one of one um, sound and longevity by chasing trends or you know whatever. So hundred percent, dude. So um. I got you. Now let's like to, and then you said something that kind of piqued my interest a few minutes ago, talking about going into like, uh, you know, like religion and things like that. What is, what does that look like for you? Is there like a specific religion you're just like in depth studying, or is that like you're just kind of evaluating all of them, seeing where you land? Or yeah, like, what does no, that look like? yeah, I I think I'm in a place I would definitely consider myself agnostic. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the best definition for where I'm at. But I'm but I'm seeking. Uh, yeah, and, and I, really, it's just. I don't know. It feels like the reason I kind of stayed away from religion for a while was just because it's so complex. People have debated these things for, you know, forever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to be the one guy that just figures it out. But at some point I'm like, well, it's not sufficient for me to just be like, oh, that's really hard to think about. You know what I'm saying? So let me just not think about it and just focus on business. And the more that I have looked the more that I have seen, um, parallels between religious themes and introspection and introspection is something that I think is, is a, a huge part of my life and my life's mission. Um, like I, I've just seen the ways that fixing internal things with myself has benefited me and, and other people around me and, and, and being a, more of an agent for good and, and removing the ego and mm. things like that. Uh, the fruits of that labor, not only not only from pr- a practical standpoint, like having better friendships, this or that, but also just like my internal sense of peace and joy. Yeah. And so some of that, those themes are echoed throughout religion and philosophy. Mm. Uh, you know, you can even look at something like stoicism and you have a lot of those same themes there. I think there's there's a lot of parallels within Christianity for a lot of that stuff. So for me, as I started looking into these different things, it opened up just way more questions and I'm like, okay, but now the pursuit of that is just the journey that I'm on. And so I think what my music will end up being is, uh, along this process is just like telling the story of somebody who is, you know, from my perspective, telling the story of somebody who is pursuing the truth, like what's going on in the world and what's my place in it. And, and why am I here and what should I do and how should I act? And why is that important? Um, yeah. So your your end game is a uh, Sunday school Christian rap. That's right, uh, Sunday school Christian rap, baby. 100%. We go, <laughs> we turning up, bro. Hey, I actually had a clip on the podcast where I, I did a like we were talking about Moses had bars, and then I was just doing like stupid bars about Moses. That's incredible. This is a totally side, unrelated, wild thing. But um, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine recently, and we were talking about um, I just I make. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people that are into hip hop do this. Somebody says something cool, you just be like, "Oh, bars!" Like yep. even if it's just like a line or something. Yeah, yeah. And so I go to this. Um, it's kind of through a ministry. It's a bunch of guys who have gone to a ministry together, and know each other. It's a lot of older guys, and like when I say older, I mean like 
not really old, just like, like 30, 50, like 50, 50s to 60, somewhere in there, you know, like they've all got yeah, kids yeah. like my age. Yeah, yeah. My dad goes, they're all super chill. I pull up, we eat wings or whatever. Um, and so like face value, it's, it's me hanging out with a bunch of old dudes and uh, a lot of them are in ministry. And so we were leaving and one of them said like, he said something that I really agreed with. I was like, mm, bars. And, and he was like, what? Uh, okay. Yeah. Like what? What? And then. Uh, I said something. I was like, yeah, you know, bars, you know, like, like David had bars, like, come on, read Psalms or whatever. And so we like got on the subject of how, uh, we, uh, you know, we hear the, we read the Bible, specifically the Psalms and they have some poetry and some rhyme and some reason to them and stuff like that. You know, you could put a, you could put a beat under some Psalms and actually get somewhere with it. And he said something I'd never thought about before. He's like, yo, I can't wait to get to heaven and hear these in like the proper version because he's like, they were, you know, there was a language, and then they were trans, like translated from that to Hebrew, and then translated yeah. from Hebrew to that, to that, to that. And he basically said, like, what we get is a really sucky version of how it actually sounds. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, he's like, I'd love to hear, like, if that already sounds decent, it'd be kind of crazy to hear how it was originally intended. That's something I'd never thought about before, but I was like, that would be crazy to hear some of the, like, Bible bars as they were intended at some point. Oh, yeah. That'd be crazy. But yeah, anyway, that would be fire. To- total sidetrack. But yeah, so that's music. Um, so where are you at musically, like in your career? Like if you were to say, you know, beginning, middle, end, whatever, like what, wh- where are you at? Like have you just started rapping? Like what's the deal? For people oh, that don't know. Well, so I've been making music for 13 years. Fire. Uh, I'm pursuing a career in music for 13 years. I've been full-time for five. but mm, That's still impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm grateful. Uh, I worked really hard for it, so I'm I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad that all those years of grinding. I'm still grinding, but all those years of grinding before making money yeah. ended up paying off. But to be honest, man, I kind of feel like I'm just starting my career. Every mm. time I, I don't know, I have this perspective changes. I'm like, okay, cool. Like my audience is out there. Yeah. And especially, you know, I think I think. Uh, you know, initially with some of the financial rap, I'm like, okay, like my market could legit be, I mean, Gary Vee has a market. Russ yeah. has a market. You know, Russ it, Russ is touching on some of these topics as well, and he's he's found immense success. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm actually interested in business and finance. And so maybe these are some, you know, this, this is my target demo. But, but again, I'm not making music to serve a particular demo. So yeah. I'm just taking what I'm interested in the moment and what type of records I want to write and finding my tribe. But now I'm pivoting a little bit content wise. And so I'm excited. Like to, to me, I'm like, Oh, well I have a whole bunch of new fans mm-hmm. that are out there that, that have never heard of me that maybe my music otherwise wouldn't have connected with, yeah. but now it will in this space, you know, maybe there's something that I can say, uh, you know, given the fact that I'm, I'm almost 29 you know what I mean? Maybe there's some some things that I could say that would really resonate with some young people and help them uh, deal with the 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 treachery of the world. You know what I'm saying? The things yeah. that are about to you know come out of nowhere. Well, I mean that's how I was first introduced to you because I mean I knew of you years before I actually properly got to meet you, um, and it was a mixture of things. It was like uh, it's mainly through the videos that uh, that you and David did with like Dill and like the tribe and all of them. And so I would see that and be like, you know, I'm I'm a video guy, I'm a director. If I see a video, like, I'm gonna be like, all right, who made this? I'm gonna go Instagram stalk them, figure out what they've done. Like that's just that's what I do. And so I was like, okay, no, but these guys are cool. Um, you know, I, I'd like follow John. And then I, I just kind of through the years knew you. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, David and Nate. It's a, uh, you know, Dylan Mowgli Tomies, You know, and um, and I started listening to some of your music. I was like. A video, a video director that raps. This is hard. Like, <laughs> like somebody's yeah. making raps that like, because like I don't, re- I don't relate to, you know, dri- or at least at the time I didn't relate to like driving sports cars or like having having money or, or anything like that. I was like a kid with a camera trying to make it, and right. so like hearing rap about that, I was like, yo, this is hard. Yeah. Uh, and then just following you through that, we we eventually linked up in in Nashville when I was doing some stuff with Dill, but um. It's been dope that we got into work since then, but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how what how it went with me was I was I was introduced to the music because it was something that resonated with me while while I was very young in what I was into at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, in defense too of the content around money, cars, all that kind of thing. I yeah. think I think every 
bit of art has its purpose and intended audience, right? I, I, I don't want to listen to a super hip-hop, heavy, conceptual record if I'm at the club. Yeah. Even though that might be the primary you're thing not, I want to listen to. You're not turning on, a, you're not turning on like, you know, a 2014 Forest Hills Drive at the club? Yeah, no, no, oh. no, of course not. But I, I think that when people are listening to rap that has that level of bravado, I think that they're mapping that energy onto their own confidence. I think mm. it, I think it's a confidence boosting, you know, we're going out for the night, like, I, I it makes you feel cool. Like I yeah. always feel like that type of rap music that's that's what it does. It gives you like that's a fair. confidence boost. And I think, you know, there's a there's a time and a place for that. But also, you're saying words. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. rappers should stand behind their words. If you're writing things down, I think you should be saying things that you believe to be true. Mm. Um and so yeah, if you're just making it again back to that like chasing trend idea. If you don't actually have these things and you're saying them, then you're just trying to be perceived in a way or make something that is consistent with what you've heard before, but it's not authentically you. Yeah. And, you know. There's also a big difference, too, between, like, telling a story um, and then just making stuff up. Or, like, I'm sure, you know, business world, you, you know, like, it's a lot of times you have to... With companies, sometimes you have to perceive your company to to a certain audience a little bigger than it is or a little smaller than it is. For example, I want my potential clients to think I this this is a big deal of the company that I own, and I want the IRS to think this is a really small deal of the that's company right, that's that I right. own. You know, I mean, I pay my stuff, but you know, I just want them to think it's not as big of a deal as it is. And so, but with that, it there there's I feel like a healthy level of that that is in support of what you're doing. And there's something that it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like yeah. the guy, like I've seen guys, I've seen artists that like, you know, I'll walk in a studio, they'll be rapping about, you know, like Lamborghinis, Corvettes, whatever, whatever. And then they'll walk out and get in like a O2 Honda Civic. And you know, they're wearing the same shirt all five times in a week. I've seen them, but they're rapping about how they never wear the same thing twice. And I'm like, this is just yeah. uninteresting to anyone. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're getting started, when when you artists only have like when you're starting out you you're doing a lot of imitation and emulating other artists and there's a rubric for these things that you've heard these themes that you've heard over and over and over and i think it does require a journey for a lot of artists to be mm-hmm. able to to overcome that not yep. only from a content perspective but sonically as well yeah and so in that sense i don't blame you if you've been rapping for a while but like to me if you if you've got a decade under your belt and you're still doing the cliches and talking about stuff that you're not doing, it's like, bro, like, what do you, what, why do you even do this? You just want to be cool. Yeah. If you just want to be cool. Okay. Like, yeah, but, but I don't know, man. I think, I think that there's a lot more to be mined out of, out of art. I mean, Mm. I think everybody has a unique perspective and story that they can bring something to the table. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and the same generic tropes, especially when they're not even good bars, you know, you're, they're just flexes that you don't even inhabit. Yeah. Then you're you're just like creating this fictional character of yourself, and I just I don't know. I think that's just kind of lame. Um, so, yeah, especially if you believe your own delusion. Mm. Mm. It's just all ego and pride. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Oh, for sure, dude. Ah, uh, yeah. Hundred percent. For sure. Full agreement with the last thing you just said. Yes. I didn't have to reset the cameras. Let's go. Let's go. Perfect. So, music, dope. What um, what's your biggest song? What you known for? Like the big, the big. My biggest one. song is Curious George. Uh, Banger, by the way. Not Banger. my. I almost didn't put it out. I think it's incredible. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. When I first went to your page, that was the first song I clicked on because I was like, dude, yes. I'm sorry, a, a rap song about the goat of my childhood. Like, I've got to go listen oh, to Oh, let's this. go. You I know. think the name definitely is, like, what gets people in, but then... Also, the album, but, just bright yellow. Like, yeah, for yeah. that, like, yeah. fire. You know, it's very attention Well, you see, you see the little, you know, yeah. little monkey down in the corner. Oh, 100%, 100%, yeah. dude. But that's, yeah, no, I saw that. I was like, interesting. This is not something you see in a... In a trap rap environment, you know. Yeah. I was like, I gotta see what this is about. Um, yeah. But yeah, I got you. So is that a? 
would you say there's a song or that song has it like paved the way? Like I know a lot of people they get their big breakout song, whatever. It like kind of paves the way, it carries them through the career. Nah, it just I, I haven't. You some numbers. I haven't had like anything that I can attribute to like a big break. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk. I mean, it, if, it depends on how far back you want to go in my career. But if you just want to talk about songs that like really popped in since being Nate Rose before I was a Illum- or after like since Illuminate. Uh, Elon, oh, oh, was that was that your old rap name? My old rap name was Illuminate. I, I was on that for like six, seven years. You know, wow. that was my fifteen-year-old idea of a rapper name. I mean, um, still, Illuminate is is hard. I started rap. I'm I'm out this on the podcast. I started with a I'm a cool dude five five eight. <laughs> That's that was, <laughs> Let's it go, was dude. rough. And we are you cool? We, <laughs> are you a cool dude? I realized I was not at the time, and that's why I changed. Then you changed it. it to nerd. Yeah, yeah, so dude. You we, started to get authentic. We we slid from we slid from I'm a cool dude to uh, I used to be real into Rubik's cubes. It was Speed Cuber. That was Speed Cuber. Okay, that was my branding. And then I was like, bruh. And people used to call me a nerd because I'd always carry around a camera and a Rubik's cube. Like, bro, yeah, look at this freaking nerd. And I'd be like, and I I already had the nerd nerd with the camera productions. I already had a company called that, and I was like. Dalton the nerd, roll with it. Why not? Yeah, now nah, fire, bro. Yeah. Um, nah, but uh, sorry to bring it back to yeah, yeah, Kira to, um, The big break, not like it's been a situation where like, all right, Elon Musk kind of did pretty well, and then I had some other songs, and then eventually, you know, I would get old songs of mine. Oh would yeah, have yeah, placements, yeah, Elon, and then Elon would... Musk the song. Sorry, I forgot. I was no, like, I thought we. No, nah, you're fine. You're fine. The person. Yeah, so it's just a series of like. Mm-hmm. consistent small wins so like a lot of times if you have an artist that has a big break mm-hmm. their top song will be like 10 times higher than the rest of their catalog yeah. and that's not the case for me like curious george is my biggest it's right at the time of this podcast it's, it's nearing 7 million on spotify but i also have like 14 15 songs over yeah. a million yeah and and there are some that have a higher not a lot of rate, people can you know? say that hey we blessed man i'm thank, thank y'all for listening you know what I mean? Uh, oh, yeah. And I'm going to try to bring you even better music so that, that I'm deserving of uh, more ears and more impact. So, Fire, fire. I think that's that's true. We had uh, we had Nehemiah on the podcast recently, and we fire. were talking a lot about um, about avoiding the viral moment, about how sometimes that, like, big spurt that, you know, that viral whatever isn't always great for everyone. Uh, and, I, I mean, you and I talked about that last night, how, like, you haven't had some song that just popped you up where everybody in the room knows who you are but you've had more of a slower organic yeah. growth which i think i personally would prefer that in my business or if i made music i would prefer that yeah uh, as hard as that is to come to that realization because I, business owner musician whatever you always you're like can't wait for the day the million dollar contract calls or, yeah. or whatever but it's like ultimately like that moment is not real or if it is real when it is real it's not near as good or what you wanted as you thought it was well i i think it can be i think the issue is if you have a viral moment we can look at it from a business perspective if you don't have your songs properly registered if you are not um you don't have a back catalog that you're proud of that you know when you have this viral moment now you have all the eyes coming to your page you don't have anything for them to grab onto if 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 that's your best song or whatever i think those are ways in which people like the viral moment can be detrimental on the business side on the on the the fame side you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. being unprepared as a person not having the 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 proper perspective and wisdom to deal with the scale and the personal boundaries as well all kinds of stuff like that so i think there's a multifaceted thing there you know if you haven't it's about the utilization if you have if you have a ton of ego yeah and you have a viral moment then you just think and, and you think you're the you can bleep that <laughs> but you know that that's going to manifest in a bunch of really bad ways yeah uh like even with business it's like all uh-huh. right so now you're going to be treating an artist like me like that because you had one song pop on tiktok and you think that you're like you know you and it's like it's guy, like all yeah. right cool like if 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 you got it all figured out you got it all figured out but like you're 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 blocking your potential to build with people because you're you're seeing them as less than you're mm. you're i mean there's all kinds of missteps so i think those are the real concerns with the viral moment yeah but like for me right now if level up had a viral moment 
Yeah. I'm very ready for it. 100%. Like, and I will I will be able to to take advantage of that in in a real way. You've got your so. your people in their places and you've got yeah, your mindset is ready for it. Yep. And also, I would say the with the rollout it's ready for it. It's not like there's 20 videos out there of good quality promotion for that. It's not like you threw one iPhone video out there right. and it just popped. Um so yeah, I I would definitely agree. I think it's about the utilization of the momentum. Um I think a lot of people, it, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but like, I mean, ultimately, if you say you got a, you know, a car starts rolling down a hill, it's going to go to the bottom of the hill and stop. But if you know how to, if you know how to drive, you know how to maneuver it, you can make that car go an extra, you know, quarter mile once you get to the bottom of that hill, if you utilize the momentum well. Yeah. And a lot of people are just not that. They're like, oh, let's just get, go as fast as we can. And it's like, fast as you can wear like you've got to have some intention um and behind that rather than just blindly just going for it for sure for sure got you so um let, let's stop out of music for a moment let's talk about uh let's talk about directing so uh, t- tell the people about the uh, the second business yeah so i own a company with my best friend and business partner david pearsall the goat, goat. the goat, goat. dude the Goat. the best best director in DOP in Nashville, baby. Um, nah, man, man, we actually so it's crazy story. I started rapping with this guy named Justice, and we had a, a rap group in high school. And I was best friends with this guy named Tyler. Okay, so me and Tyler are best friends. Then I we all started hanging out together. Me, Tyler, and Justice, and then they became friends, and we kind of all had uh, had a falling out with me. And, you know, ended up going to college or whatever. But I had gone to high school with David. Mm. And we ended up kind of, like, rekindling uh, a little bit of a friendship. Like, I started I started seeing his videos um, on Facebook. And then I was seeing how he was marketing them. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to get you for uh, this show. But what's crazy is that David is actually just as... Justice's brother, you know, so it's like my old best friend became best friends with Justice that I had a rap group with, and then I became best friends and business partners with his brother, and it just worked out that way. But uh, but yeah, uh, so me and David started working in 2017. He came and shot a concert that I had at the University of Southern Miss with Carrie Hilson, and after that, I was like, "Yo, like, do you want to do a music video together?" Uh, let's let's shoot one for one of my songs, and so we did that. It was called Pantomime, and then I was like, okay, yeah, we work well together. And then, at the time, you know, I I had pretty good visual content for a long time because I knew how to edit. I had I, I knew how to direct and produce and things like that. And so I would just get somebody to hold the camera, and then I would piece everything together and tell them what I wanted. Now, and wild, wild bit of stalker history question that I remember. Didn't Mowgli used to shoot your videos? Mowgli shot, yeah. Mowgli shot Way Kamikaze. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mowgli shot uh, maybe one or two things for me. Um, yeah. So, so in that same time period, well, what happened was all of these uh, people on campus that knew who I was and other artists, they were like, "Yo, like, who shoots your videos?" Mm. And I'm like, "Well, I'm kind of like the the person behind it. I'm just getting someone to hold the camera." So yeah. I'm like, "I'm like me, basically." <laughs> um, but I was like, all right, cool. So I have all these people hitting me up for videos that want to pay for videos. So I, I pitched it to David. I'm like, look, I'm like, Hey, we seem to work well together. Why don't we do all music videos together and we'll split the revenue down the middle mm. and you know, you, you can be the shooter. I'll be the editor and we'll, we'll do it like that. So we did that successfully for three years and it, it started to grow and we started to really get a lot more momentum. And at some point we just kind of decided, yo, we should just be doing all media work and stuff together as a partnership. And now, so now was it originally was it just was it just under some like some homie like just two homies doing it? Was there a, was there a brand or what? Uh so we had separate brands initially. So I had Nate Rose Media and he had um he had Thieves mm. and and it was spelled differently and whatever but um yeah, we we over time it was like we need a unifying brand. Uh, that was part of the the conversation. The second thing is we wanted to be able to work on multiple projects uh, as it kind of fell under this umbrella. And, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. There were a lot of things that kind of led us to do that, but it was just our our 
our friendship and relationship business-wise was growing. And so it just made sense to me uh, that, we, that, we, that we started expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, th- this is maybe an important lesson for people that might be listening to this that are into business, especially the video and you know, media business. But actually, business in general. We talked for like seven months about what it would look like to be in business together. And what we were trying to do is just discuss every possible way it could go wrong and have answers and discuss things before money was involved, before, you know, okay, what happens if he gets booked for this gig and they actually only need one person and not me? How do we set that up to where it's like, hey, bro, I'm not getting cut in on this. Like like all of these potential things and, 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 and questions that we were able to just kind of stick out there we had many, many conversations to nail those down into the business framework yes. that we have. And then what you have to have beyond that is trust and proper communication in your business partner because there still will be things you didn't think of. And as long as you guys are communicating with – with, um, I mean, it's kind of like a marriage. Like it's there's, – there's compromise. There is being understanding and, and – uh, you know, knowing which battles to fight and which ones not to. Exactly. As long as you're doing that, but you should be good. I mean, me and yeah. David have a great working relationship, and I defer and if, to and him if on it, a lot of like. If it goes bad, it goes bad. Like at the end of the day, there's paperwork involved, there's lawyers involved. If it goes really wrong, and then y'all are fighting, oh, well, who gets the twenty-four to seventy? All right, well, who gets the tripod? And it's like, yeah, no, that's and horrible. It, and also, it's like at that point, you you start messing with friendships, like. I got to, I mean, I was telling you this last night, but like my company is made up of my friends, but they all know it is an understanding with everyone that the second this strains our friendship, y'all are fired. Like in, in a loving, not like a, you're terrible at your job, you're fired. It's like a, yo, this is messing with this and the friendship comes first. So as soon as that starts to be a problem, slide out of here. Yeah. Um, but to what you were saying about going through every single more people need to hear that, dude. I've, I've been a part of and witnessed some some messy, messy mergers or uh, buyouts and things like that. You know, I've um, I've just seen a lot of that, and it goes terribly because people go, people just see, oh, well, if we had this, we can make more money, and it's like yeah. boom. Nobody sits down and goes, what could go wrong? What do we do if this goes wrong? Yep. What can we do to prevent this from going wrong to begin with? So, yeah. yeah, no, business owners, specifically video marketing, anything like that, air that stuff out first. Sit down and think for a long time about anything that could go wrong. Before we rebranded to, uh, to Nerd Creative, I had been sitting on that idea for three years. I had been sitting on it, building it out. What is this going to look like? What is this going to change? Who do I need to have in place? Like, I had contractors in place ready so that, you know, if – if Nike hit my line the day we rebranded, we were ready for it. And you know what that was going to look like. And not to say that there's not still growth that can happen there, but be prepared for the stuff. Don't just go, ah, more money here and jump into it. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say another couple pieces of advice. Um, well, I don't know if this is advice, but more a thing that I just noticed. But, I mean, 99% of business disagreements come as a result of – one, a miscommunication or a lack of in, uh, communication up yep. front. Two, you have an agreement and somebody goes back on it. Mm. So those are basically the only two things, right? So if you and I, uh, if we're like, yo, let's let's go shoot some stuff. You were under the impression that you were getting paid. I was under the impression it was for the free. Now we have a miscommunication. We have and we have stuff that wasn't communicated beforehand. So now there's going to be conflict. And hopefully we are we, you know, what I'm saying we're we're reasonable enough people that I could say, okay, like and we can talk about it. And you might you might not get the rate you wanted, but and I'm, you know, not getting the video for free, but we're able to do it in a way that doesn't ruin the friendship. Yeah. But if th- so that that would be a situation where there's a miscommunication and not all people handle that with grace. Second thing is you tell me one price, we shoot the video, and then you tell me that that you're actually going to need more money or you're not giving me the video. That's a real problem. Oh, and so I've experienced much. that a lot. So that and and how you avoid that 
for the most part, first off, you got to keep people at, at, at the distance that they need to be kept based on the character that you see uh, in, in the person. But th- this is – I think we talked about this a little bit yesterday. But if you are – my main thing when I'm going in, into business somebody in a, in a real way is what kind of character does this person have? If you're, it, do, do you see value scales properly? Mm. Yeah. Are you are you entitled? Yeah. You know, if you're entitled, it's like, all right, okay, that's already going to make for a, a difficult business relationship because there's not a lot of room for, for <laughs> entitlement in in business. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, for me, the re- like, I have I have friends that I get along with great, and we sometimes work on some projects together that I would never go into business with because uh, I know yep. that there is, I don't know, different uh, just. Here's oh here's what a conflict at that level would look like, okay it wouldn't be fruitful, and and so it's like all right cool so you got to find people that you you trust that you that have good character and integrity, and that uh yeah they that you feel like you can work well with I think those are all really important things. Quick a uh, quick little side thing uh so to talk about where we're at right now we're down here uh. Working at uh, at A three C, you you came home from Nashville for A three C. I'm you know I popped up to come shoot some content with you, or whatever. Uh, and so we decided to shoot this episode in the lobby of the Reverb Hotel down here in uh, yeah. right here by the Mercedes Benz. And they have these little studio like studio music box things, uh, sound rooms is what they call them. Um, but it we're we're in a little glass box in the lobby of this hotel and. Um, there's also a big wall of giant TVs right next to us where they're currently playing the UGA Auburn game. You've been watching the game instead of paying attention to me on this podcast? No, nah, nah. people keep stopping by to watch the TVs, and I think they're just staring at us <laughs> like we're like fish in a bowl. That's and it's right. It's been really That's weird. Right, I keep like it does feel a little bit like a zoo in here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, hey, what's up? What's up? We're gonna, I, we gotta know, start I, throwing stuff at the glass. When also, they walk we're by. in Atlanta, and I mean, look how I'm dressed. You know, it's like one of those situations where you you're like. I wonder, if th- like, I wonder if that person's famous. And then you got to look in here and like try to decipher it. I'm not, but dude, I could be. Dude, we were walking one around. Day. We were wa- walking around yesterday shooting reels. I had my camera. You had you. You were fitted out. Like, I had on like some like a, some shorts and a hoodie. Like, I was not fitted out, and I had the camera. You were fitted out. Had like the shades on, and like we were, we were in a crosswalk, and like three cars stopped by, and every single person rolled down their window, and they were like, "Is that Jack Harlow?" <laughs> And they were that is. they were just staring and it like they weren't even trying to hide it either. And I was like I was like, All right, cool. I but, get it, man. It's Atlanta. Oh it's yeah. It's Atlanta. It could be anybody. Dude, Atlanta's you know? <laughs> LA's like that too. You could be in a coffee shop in LA and you, you look at somebody and you're like, Is that the actor? And you know, it really could be. It could be yeah. like yeah. Dude, re- real talk. As somebody that's not, you know, I I'm from Atlanta. I'm here. I could see the most outlandish thing and I'm like, mm, yeah, okay. What's been like in your Atlanta experience? What's been the most like wild thing that you saw that you're like, what in the world? Because I mean, we do truly live in like a GTA tier city. Oh yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of uh, tweakers, um, <laughs> like on the subway, uh, cops running red lights, <laughs> just like, like literally just late night. They didn't want to wait at the red light, so they just like just blew ran through it, it yeah. or like. Didn't want to wait for it to change at an intersection, so they turned their lights on so that they could go through the other before the other cars could go and stuff. I'm like, I, uh, I don't know, man. Atlanta's an interesting place, man. There's some things that I really like about it and some things that I don't like about it, but it is a it is it is a lively, bumping place, man. And you you can just uh, sometimes when I've been down here, I've just 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 popped into a room and then they're like yo we're going to this after party cool okay we're going over here oh yo this person's having a studio session and it's like you just kind of it's like that in la too where you just kind of can just come down here with no itinerary and still get into something if you know the right people oh it's it's, it's pretty cool dude i saw uh, i saw an interesting fellow last night uh we went on on the marta shooting some reels and uh this dude gets on. Uh, he's wearing somewhat business clothes. Like he just came from a job of some sort. He's got what appears to be a laptop bag on. And I was like, okay. He goes into the very back corner, the corner that we weren't in, all the way down there. He sits down and reaches in his fancy laptop bag, pulls out a Paw Patrol 
uh, blanket. Curls up in the corner and just takes a nap. Rides his like. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw ride, that. I rides literally his, saw like, that. His four stops and goes. Hey, you know, good for up. him, bro. That reminds uh, me of the pursuit of happiness, bro. Maybe he's trying to sell some X-ray machines. You know what I'm saying? And he's down on his luck, bro. And he's taking a nap on the subway and puts his suit back on and he's just right going back to apply to for it, jobs, dude. bro. I actually respect that. Oh, dude. Let's go. Yeah. It's actually really sad, man, honestly, seeing, um, I don't know, these people who have have just done drugs for so long that they're they're not even operating in the same reality as us. You know what I'm saying? They're, yeah. they're, they're talking to non-existent people and, and man, every time I see that, it's just like, man, like so sad that their, their life has turned out. I mean, because almost, almost every single time when you have somebody that is drug addicted to that point, they have all sorts of childhood trauma under that, all sorts of, you know, like horrible abuse or whatever the case is. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's like an outward yeah. representation of like a, a just being consumed by the the chaos of life you know what i'm saying yeah it's 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 really really sad like for sure i used to do some uh some videos with some like homeless organizations and like just the stories of the people i met you know like out on the on the streets and it was even in like a smaller town but like there was a guy who like he'd live behind a gas station but like he'd won the lottery like he had millions in his account at a time when millions were worth way more than millions are now. And he went from that all the way down to, yeah, now I've got like nothing. And like, it's, it, it is really sad, but also like the, the stories that are represented there. It's a, yeah, it's really interesting and sad. And I feel like it's very prevalent in the bigger cities and things like that. I can, I can go a long time in, uh, in my small town near the big city, you know, and not see the reality that that you know some of those people have to live with. Yeah, yeah. You ever watch the YouTube channel Soft White Underbelly? No. Uh, you can only. I mean, I can only watch like a few videos at a time. But basically, they interview, you know, drug addicts, prostitutes, pimps, like mm. people with gambling addictions, like all kinds of people that are on the fringes of society, and his whole purpose for doing that is to document these people's stories so that it can be studied and, and somebody can figure out ways to, you know, they'd be like, all right, what are all the crossover points between these stories Hmm. and, and how can we extract some sort of solution um, out of that? But I, I I think it's really gives you a lot of perspective. The reason I say I can only watch a few videos at a time is, is some of these stories are so dark. Uh, it, it it does two things for me simultaneously. One reminds me of of the evil and stuff that exists in the world, and the in the in actually it does a few things. Two, it gives me a, a lot of added perspective about my own life and mm. the gratitude that I have, you know, um, for things that I didn't have to deal with growing up. And then three, it gives me a lot of compassion for these people. You know, it shifts it from you know, there's there's people that kind of look at these. Th- at, at homeless people or, or drug addicts is like in, in a very like negative way you know there's people that would say um you know just get a job or this or that and i'm like yo you, you, the solution is not just get a job bro yeah i don't know if you've realized this but my man's is talking to no one yeah like he's you know what i'm saying like I don't know. I, and Dude, I've had people, I've had personal experiences with, and stuff. People with impressive resumes have a hard time getting jobs nowadays. So it's like for a lot of people who maybe don't have have college degrees or maybe they don't have a house. They don't have a Yeah, but there's so many I, I guess it, what I'm saying is there's so many first order problems before that, you know? Yeah. So like the the, the guy who owns Software Underbelly, he talks about it, but his name's Mark Leda and he said he says essentially, you know, you have this base layer of addiction. So let's say you could send these people to rehab, which is not always effective. More often than not, it, it, it it's people, the opposite. People, yeah. people relapse or whatever. But even if you could, then under that, you have mental illness. So under that, you have depression, anxiety, like and, and really bad ones. You know what I'm saying? And so let's say you could put them through therapy. You send them to therapy and you could work through all those issues all the way down. What you're going to discover is at the bottom of a lot of that is the childhood trauma and abuse that they experienced, which are some of the yep. reasons that they developed the mental illnesses, which is some and, and why they do the drugs to cover up the men. Right. Yeah. And so 
You get all the way down to that. All right, now we deal with the trauma. Okay, we can eradicate the trauma. All right, then you are now, let's say let's say you were successful at all those. Now you're dealing with a person that hasn't been integrated into society in 25 years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're, they don't, like, they don't know what's going, like, and I think it's really hard to even put your head in that perspective because it's like we've had this gradual thing where we kind of, like, learn how the world works and, oh, this is the proper practice and, and it's like you're dealing with people that are just carte blanche. And so, but he said that that process, it would cost about $300,000 per person to yep. do that. And it's not even, it's like the 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 effectiveness rate is like, you know, I don't yeah. know, who knows, 20% maybe, 10%. We, we ran into working with that, uh, that homeless organization. We ran into an interesting thing that they said was very normal. I had never even thought about it. But a lot of the people that are in that lifestyle... Uh, like it, or, or or some of them even love it. Like the I, I met a guy one time. It was a homeless guy. He literally was like, "Yeah, uh, no." He's like, "I I own a house." He's like, "I I've got you know two hundred thousand dollars in savings." He's like, "I just like this life," and I I I I don't understand. You that. know what I think that is? I had a similar conversation. Okay, so all right, let me tell you this this quick anecdote. So anyway, this lady. Uh, drops us off with some food for DoorDash. So we're, we're taking this opportunity to go talk to um, different homeless people. And the first few people we came across to try to give food to were so incoherent that they uh, they couldn't even speak words. And they were, like, very afraid uh, of us, like, even just being near them. So that was our first experience. We finally found uh, two guys who... We're sitting on the steps at the Ryman, and we're like, okay, here, let's give them some food, and we start talking to them. Okay, so I'm talking to one guy. Mowgli's talking to the other. The guy I'm talking to is speaking just like we are in this conversation uh, with full confidence about the words that he's saying, but he's saying things like he has he has Bigfoot DNA and that the intelligence, when people who are descendants of Bigfoot, their intelligence is stored within their jaw. And so he said, D- people don't realize, but your intelligence is, is most prevalent in your jaw. And uh, Charlie Sheen had Bigfoot DNA, and, and he spent time on many different planets and many different times throughout history. And in this life, you know, this is this is the, like, goes on and on, right? So I'm like, that, that was part of the thing where it clicked. I'm like, oh, like, this person is not here. But second, we started talking to the guy Mowgli was talking to. This guy was telling us about how he was a legendary drummer in Nashville. He played, he's played at all the different venues. Okay, this is, by the way, this is also somewhere around COVID times, so things are still locked down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're like, oh, cool. I mean, that's that's awesome. Like, where do you, you know, where do you play at? And he's like, I, I just played at Bridgestone. And we're like, oh wow, like when when did you play at Bridgestone? He was like, like last week. Things have been closed for two months, right? Yeah. So. So we're like, okay. And then he goes, he goes, let me be honest with you guys. He goes, I just come down here to make sure that these people are keeping their life in order. He, he was like, I've got, I've got an apartment over here. I got houses over here. He, he, he was like, you know, I just want to make sure that these people are staying out of trouble. Not true. Not true. He was in a delusion that he believed. Mm. Wow. So and and I thought that that was a really shocking moment for me because and it was like a defense mechanism. You know what I'm saying? It's it's I mean the reality of of his situation being I don't know he, he looked like he might have been 60 something years old. You know, it's so difficult to deal with or handle that he's he's crafted this this narrative within his own head which also can be codified into your you know your mental from drugs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you have these delusions and then you So so anyway, all that to say, I don't know if that was the case for that guy. Yeah. But I have heard multiple cases of people being oh, yeah. in complete denial that they are even homeless in the first place. Yeah. And I think that's I mean, that to me is extremely sad because it's like you can't even begin to attempt to fix your situation if you literally are in denial or that there's any issue. Aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. So Got you. Well, yeah, I mean, interesting. Uh, I don't know how we got on homelessness, I, yeah, but I, dude, we, uh, we in these here. these podcasts they have a tendency to just 
get go, heavy, heavy, go. heavy. Yeah, they go, and then I'm like, how do I, how do I bring this back to what I was gonna ask? I don't know, but yeah, no, we go down some interesting rabbit holes. Um, but I'm always open for for a good conversation, you know. Um, but so so you know, okay, so we we talk music, we talk video. Um, so I'm a, I'm gonna throw something at both director, you know, business owner Nate, but also artist Nate. All right, give me three tips, three relatively quick tips for a coming up artist. And then three quick tips for a coming up uh, director slash, you know, media-related creative. Okay. Uh, For an artist, number one, I would say you need to figure out if this is going to be a career path for you or just a hobby. And you really need to be honest about this conversation because if you want to make it a career, it's going to require a lot of sacrifice and work over a long period of time. And if you if you aren't the type of person that's going to be able to give it, you know what I'm saying, every every single day, consistency, constantly breaking barriers, constantly learning, all that, if you're not prepared for that and to make those sacrifices, then don't waste your time doing that and just treat the music like a hobby. Because if it's a hobby, you know what I'm saying, you can just have fun, make music, no stress involved, and then you can go make your money elsewhere. So I think a lot of people actually think they want a career but don't have the things that it takes to get there and they never will develop that. And so if they treated it like a hobby it would be their whole life would be better. Oh yeah. Uh, so so that's that's one make that distinction. If you have decided that you F- figure wanna, ultimately wanna, figure out the goal. Figure out your goals for it. And like, and and be realistic with yourself as to like if you're going to be able to weather the storm of a decade of working every day and not making money. Yeah. You know, is the passion that strong? Is the need and the desire to do that that strong? Because if not, oh. just have fun yeah. making music. Distro Kid is like 20 bucks a year. You can put your music on Spotify. Just do that. Never spend a marketing dollar. Don't make content if you don't want to make content to promote it. Just have yeah. fun. Yeah, because I, like, I feel like a lot of people see, oh, yeah, if I rap, I can just... They see it as... They don't even love the art or the idea of it. They They like... They see it as an avenue for them to make a lot of money. Or clout. Uh, yeah, or clout. And they don't yeah. care about the music or the art itself. It's like, this is a tool to get me here. Yeah. And that's that. Well, I mean, I would say even if you care about the art, you still have to... It's like, okay, even if you care about the art, be a hobbyist. Yeah. Or treat it like a career. Um, but, yeah, the second thing I would say is um, your music is your product. It's going to be way easier for you to market it if the music is great. And the reality is your music is not as good as Superstar's music. There are a bunch of ways in which you're falling short of that. Many, 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 many dimensions. So, number one, articulate what those are. And number two, figure out ways that you can constantly be pushing yourself to bridge those gaps. So, and, and this is this is across the board. So, we're talking about things like mix, production, how, how many places does the production go? Uh, you know, vocal inflections, vocal ability, content, substance, all these types of things need to be analyzed. And all that to say, though, you, your main focus should be making the best music that you can make yeah. as a as a primary. And and that's an obvious one, but it really does have an effect. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think a big thing for me too was realizing that lyrical or fast didn't mean good uh there was and i feel like a lot Flip of, it of ribbon to dipping yeah i feel like a lot of like there was a point uh, in my my music taste where i was like bro eminem can rap you know he's the best rapper because he can rap fast but uh, i didn't listen and think about the fact that sure he can rap fast but like is he really saying anything well eminem is a bad example because that man eminem is a ridiculous rapper but so yes, he can he can do that. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like maybe a better example would be like Logic. Yeah, yeah, for or like sure. Busta Rhymes sometimes. For sure, and <laughs> I, I had to like learn what to to qualify good as. You know what? I would be like, oh, all mumble rap is trash. But like ultimately, the rate of if you're a good artist or not is, I mean, it, like you said, you're selling a product. It's it's a marketing and selling game, like a like a business. So ultimately, are they selling? to their demographic successfully and they're creatively satisfied, then cool. They're doing it better than you are by sitting there on Instagram and the comments and complaining about it. Yeah. Facts. Um, and then the third little tip I'd give is just understand 
the business. And that's mm. a very simple one. But literally, if you if you have decided that you want to make it a career from the beginning, you're going to really need to know how to navigate and figure out how to monetize your art. Like what, that's an important what's piece. A, what's a source on that? Uh, you know, your your advice, where where's somewhere people can go for that? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of places. Um, it, it depends on what you like, how you like to consume. There's ton, tons of YouTube channels. I would suggest on YouTube, uh, Burstimo is a YouTube channel. Um, I mean, there's tons of people I'm not even aware of. But uh, Entrepreneur has a, a podcast. Entrepreneur is a great resource if, if you want to go and check out. Their, they have, like, learning modules. There's all kinds of podcasts, YouTube videos on how to mix. Like, it, like there's everything online for free if you want to access that. So uh, if you like to read, um, I, I started out watch, like reading um, Audio Touch Plus articles. There's also musicthinktank.org. Tons of articles on there from lots of industry people on every single topic you can think of. So those are a few of the resources. You have a, just an endless an endless stream of knowledge that you can tap into thanks to the internet so gotcha. that's, that's where you go um all right directors three three things for upcoming directors shooters um you know whether that's as simple as somebody shooting a, a photo at a concert for the gram or somebody that's trying to you know direct the next drake video all right first one comes to mind this is just a pet peeve of mine but i think this is really important for people to understand uh your price that you charge there's so much confusion and so many bad like ideas around pricing mm. uh your price is determined by how much the market deems your price to be so for example i could tell you that my music videos i don't do a music video for less than a billion dollars and that can be true like that's if that's the number that i set cool i'll never get a video yep and with the quality that we have now, if I set my music video rate at $200 per music video, I would have so much work that it wouldn't be worth the time or the money to do it. So there's an equilibrium where it's like mm. the amount of time, yep. least amount of time, maximum amount of money, mm -hmm. that is your market value. And it's not a situation where you like know your worth, know your value, charge what you're worth. Your worth doesn't exist like the idea the idea of like what i subjectively think that my price should be that that that's irrelevant and it, it, it can be you can make it that but you're going to make less money it's less optimal than what you should be doing yeah and so so it's the market value you need to 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 readjust based on that market value uh so i think you're not, you're not going to sell you're not going to sell a video to a church youth group with 30 kids at the same price you're going to sell a video to to Nike even if they're the same length the same like 30 second video same gear same whatever you're selling that differently based yeah. on the market yeah well there there's that too yeah that's yeah that's true as well um so that's one uh two i would say Know the importance of delegation and trusting your people. And that building. one, that one, uh, yep. Like it, Talk. as a musician, I can, I produce, record, engineer my stuff top to bottom. That's yep. just a solo dolo thing. I can do that. And with video, you can do that at the at the at the beginning stages. I think you should definitely do that at the beginning stages. You should learn. If I wanted to be the best director I could be, and and luckily I have a partner that picks up on a lot of slack, so I don't have to just go learn all this stuff. But I would. I would become proficient in every single area. So I'd know yep. how to shoot. I'd know how to edit. I'd know how to color grade. I would I would know how to produce all these things. That way you are able to communicate with these people in their language. But also so that you understand what are good expectations and bad expectations and what types of problems might arise with these people. And you know how to know when someone does a good job at it. So th there's a lot of reasons for that. But um, I think it's really important that you you learn as a director to delegate these things when you want, when you're ready to hit that next level, because 100%. it gets increasingly specialized. And when, you know, if you're just one person trying to do things and you're renting a location for 250 an hour, it's, you're going to, you're going to spend way more money oh, and yeah. frustrate your clients oh, by yeah. keeping them on set for so long by doing that. So let's, let's say that's number two. 
Um, a bit, a big thing on yes. that for sure. It's like people need to learn that I didn't want to do that. I, I'm a, I'm a control freak. I hate trusting people with a thing that is gonna have my name attached to it. I, that's just how it is. I came from. Like growing up, I see a lot of people that do their own stuff. You know what? This, you know, you got a lawn care business. You're mowing every lawn. You know, if you if you're fixing computers, you are fixing those computers. Uh, because every other time you get somebody else mi- mixed up in it, they botch the lawn or they mess up the computer, and now you look bad. And and so I fought it for the longest. And I also was like, I, I put fifteen. $20,000 worth of gear here and I'm making $2,000 a year off making videos and it's like this this just isn't working literally like at, at this point I, I'll, t- I'll talk about it because it's been this many years but like when I was first starting I was doing videos for years one $2,000 a year off a of video total I'm $15,000 $20,000 invested the first year I hired a contractor not an employee a contractor like someone who was helping me shoot, helping me edit, whatever. One guy, uh, we worked on some stuff for, for a few months, you know, even just probably seven or eight projects together. We went from 2000 a year to 13000 a year, just like that, Fire. In, in revenue. And so it's like, don't underestimate the power of that delegation. It is huge. If you aren't delegating what you're doing, you are doing yourself a disservice and other people a disservice. Yeah, facts, man. Um, number three as a director, this is a very like head in the clouds thing, but, and this this is also applicable to just people at large, uh, that are not directors, but figure out what you really want to be doing in the future Mm. and orient your efforts towards that goal. So we have a podcast called Thickest Thieves, me and David. And we also have an original YouTube show called Up for Debate that we've had some, some cool talent on. And we haven't made any money really off of either of those things. And we've sunk a lot of money into them. Uh, but right now we're making our money primarily off of gig work and yep. you know, doing, doing you know, music videos for artists that we don't particularly care about their music or, uh, or you know what I'm saying, like doing corporate videos or something like that. And like we, we enjoy that process anyway, but ultimately yeah. we want to be creating original things that we like yep. and our revenue be tied in the same way that my music is to just content that just comes out of our head and just like we want to do this thing or tell this story rather than just executing on someone else's vision because that feels a lot more like a job to us. Uh, and so – yeah, so we, we know where we want to end up. Therefore, we are investing in our own content, our own original stuff. Even if we lose money for the first two or three years, I believe that we will end up in a place where that is our primary source of income, and then we only take gigs that we yeah. really are passionate about, or that is a is a big enough amount of money that we're like, yeah, all right, we'll we'll you know what I'm saying we'll go do this corporate gig for for this bread. So, yeah. Three kind of uh yeah three tips on each of those fronts, solid solid. So um about to wrap up here. I uh, usually this is the segment where where Charlie has some um, traditions he likes to end with, but since he's not here, I've uh, been handed the torch to ask these questions. So Let's go. very serious question. Um, one of the most important ones you'll be asking your entire life. I'm ready. All right, if you could have anything, all right. Uh, solid liquid gas, whatever, anything of that sort, any substance, anything in the world flowing in a continuous stream out of your belly button, what would it be? Now, some, some disclaimers here. You can, uh, you can slow it down. You can never stop it. Okay. Also, it is the highest uh, tier of whatever it is. So if, it's, uh, if you say money, you're spitting Benji's out of your belly button nonstop. So with that, you know, what's what's your what are your thoughts? It has to be a physical substance. So if it has to be a physical substance. Well, no, solid liquid gas, whatever. I've I've heard um I've heard music. That was that was an answer I've I've heard before. Okay, yeah, right, but I'm saying I'm saying like you know, I can't have uh I don't know. 
I'm getting too. I'm getting way too. Never mind. Way too into. I'm getting way too. You can't. Into you it, can't bro. have like happiness or joy come out yes, of your belly button. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> man, dude, it's gonna have to be money. I can exchange that for anything. Really? I but mean, but maybe. What, what about the economy? The inflation. You're gonna ruin the economy. Oh, the inflation for my belly button. Yeah. I don't know, bro. You're just gonna tuck it away. So okay, no so we're so we're okay, so uh, so I do need to think about this deeply enough. We need to get into well, but, macroeconomics and, and, and also like a, a little thing with the money. Like, what else would I want coming out of my let, belly button say, in a constant stream? Let's say milk, <laughs> well, water. Like, what? Yeah, I've had a <laughs> one of the answers we had one time was essential oils. Essential oils. I mean, I you smell good all the time. Cologne. Yeah, we had one that was uh, music, but it was controlled by your mood. So like, if you were like. You know, you could play a theme song when you walk in the room. If you were yeah. really feeling some type of way, or like if you like you saw a girl you were into, it. Yeah, that seems that seems useless. I'm going yeah. with money, bro. Yeah, and the economy will figure it out. Hey, we have yeah. this this guy Nate Rose who <laughs> generates money out of his belly button. Just we're just gonna have to deal secret. with that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll just start my own country. Fair and just yeah. Fair enough. I mean, that's a that's a that is one. Uh, we'll build computer machine learning models based on the rate. Of the money increasing out of my belly button, and then we will we we will curb inflation by adjusting according to this consistent rate of money being generated from my belly button, and we will run an economy based on that. Fair. All right. So, um, uh, what can the people expect from you soon? Uh, you know, what what do the people need to be looking out for? People that know you, people that don't know you. Dude, we're doing we're doing more music. I got a ton of music in the vault. I got some collaborations on the way. I might have a song with Dylan coming out. I I might I might have dropped something for Bodega. I might be on some other Christian hip hop artist album. Uh, I mean, we we got some stuff. I love I love that I love that since you said Dylan, it flew over a bunch of people's heads, and I want to leave him, I want to leave it at that. Dude, they don't even know Dill Pickle. They don't know Dill Pickle. I um so yeah dude tons of music uh and and I'm trying to give music where like I'm really can put some of the things that I feel like people need to hear into the records things that I'm really like yeah and I want to bring people on this journey with me of like being introspective like I said yeah. at the beginning of this agnostic but searching it's like there's a lot of answers and I feel like I don't hear a lot of music about the the pursuit of these answers, you know what I mean, and it's, like it's that's really it's, trying, it's always trying to convince people of the answers you think you found. Yeah, or just totally not paying attention to the questions at all. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, I want to I want to fill that middle gap and like let people come along with me where I ask a bunch of just random questions or talk about stuff. So, yeah, music. Uh, we're gonna be doing the podcast. Um, Thick Thieves podcast. Uh, we're gonna re re up on Up for Debate. We're gonna hit season two of Up for Debate soon. So man, lots to expect from me, bro. You never know. I might just have Fire. a new thing I'm doing in a year, and and there it is. How's that? All right. Well, dude. Uh, Nate Rose music on uh, on Instagram. Nate Rose music on all socials. Nate Rose on your favorite streaming platforms, bro. It's a pleasure, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Hundred percent, dude. This gang, has gang. been this has been another episode of Nerds with the Creative Podcast, sponsored by Nerd Creative Agency. Shout out the Reverb Hotel in Atlanta. Shout out Nate Rose. Shout out 12 Bishop. And uh, yeah, uh, from I, 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 do have a, I do have a closer from, uh, from Charlie, because Charlie does these unique closing Let's lines. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we have... <laughs> Thank you for watching Nerds with the Creative Podcast, the only podcast that bombs harder than Oppenheimer. Oh, okay. That's, right. that's a good one to end that's on. That's a good one, yeah. All right, man. <laughs> Peace.